0: Hello everyone. A couple of questions this morning before we get started to kind of set the tone for today as we discuss walls. Walls we erect in our relationship with others and walls we erect in our relationships with God. Right, I just need you to think about these questions. Okay, so who are we keeping our distance from? Is there anybody out there that you're doing that to? Is there someone we are avoiding? Who are we hoping we will not run into at school or at work? or? Even in town, even more personal. Who do we avoid at church? And is there someone to whom we owe an apology but are hesitant to do so? And so, so and why are we unwilling to try to heal the restrained relationships in our lives? Yeah, these are tough questions, right? And why? Well, they hit close to home, they touch our heart. They touch that part in us for which we do not want to or unwilling to address. And many of us have lost years trapped in these feelings of unreconciled relationships with others. Our fears and insecurities often take control of forming these walls which have been erected either by us or by others. And the longer time passes, the more solidified each wall becomes. Yet yeah, time doesn't always heal all wounds. Time often makes these wounds deeper, hurts which are more difficult to heal, walls which become rigid and unmovable. And there's some of us that carry these burdens as badges of courage. Look at me. Look at me. I have suffered much under the hand of this individual. And let me tell you all the damage he or she has done to my life. Yeah, we profess, we blame, we lies and we actually exaggerate, but rarely, rarely do we move in the direction of reconciliation. And there it is, <laughs> the word we all know, but rarely implement in our lives, reconciliation. You know, it's a word that has the potential to heal. It's a word that has the potential. To alleviate long-standing emotional pain in our lives. Reconciliation has this potential power in our lives because all God's children have experienced reconciliation. No, we have. Without this reconciliation brought through the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ our Savior, there would be no hope of living in shalom with our Heavenly Father. There would be no peace, no true peace. And let me say this before we move forward in our lesson. If you're listening at home, there are those who have experienced severe trauma at the hand of another. There are those who have been abused and have been hurt deeply. And I'm so sorry for your pain in the heart. And I'm also not naive to think that there may be those going through trauma right now. And if so, reach out to me or one of our shepherds or our wives, and we can help you get the help you need. The conversation we're having this morning will not answer all your questions. But I hope and pray this is helpful to you as well. Reconciliation. Are you ready to break down some walls? Okay, turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 through 21. Uh, This is kind of going to be our jumping off text this morning. And we don't have enough time to delve into this subject in its fullness. I mean, we don't. As I've been digging into reconciliation this week, a book could be written, and many have on this subject. It is vast and requires much more time than just one lesson. Now, we will cover a destination point on the reconciliation map. and Maybe one day, maybe one day, we'll take a long journey exploring this topic from every vantage point on that map. But for now, but for now, I just want you to listen to the words of Paul. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Yeah, see, if we're going to progress in our relationships with others, if we're going to progress in our relationships with those at church, we're going to have to learn the language of reconciliation. The easiest definition I can give for reconciliation is actually just making peace between two. The word shalom carries this idea of bringing wholeness to another, making peace between two. It's what Jacob did when he returned to face his brother Esau, to whom he stole his birthright and cheated him out of his blessing. He sought shalom, he sought reconciliation, he brought gifts, many gifts. It's what God did for us through his son Jesus when he made him to be sin when he knew no sin. Jesus bore our sins in his body so that we too might die to sin and live to righteousness. This is something we should praise. I mean, this is something we should shout from the mountaintops. I mean, how can we sit Without a response to this amazing act of love on our behalf, this amazing act of reconciliation, our Heavenly Father gave His only Son so the world could be reconciled to Him. Okay, okay, I tell you what, why don't you just pause this recording and take some time to honor God. Sing a song of praise. Take some time to praise Him in prayer. Of what he has done for us. Whatever feels right for you at this time. Just just take a moment. just, Just pause the recording. And just take some time to do that. Okay, so I want you to think of this gift of reconciliation we have received through Jesus. This redemption in our lives. See, we have been given a ministry. Every single one of us. All of us. And we have been given a message. To proclaim, all of us, and and we have accepted the job of being ambassadors of reconciliation to this world and to one another, all of us. Did you get that? All of us. And I think we understand the concept, right? I, I think we get the concept. For us to have this intimate relationship, connection, this one-on-one relationship with God. To call Him our Father to enter into His throne room. To be able to bow at His feet and plead for grace. There must be an offering of peace. There had to be an offering of peace. And remember, remember the offering of lambs and goats. And they were temporary. They were only offered every year. And it never got rid of the sins, but kind of pushed them forward. Our everlasting peace came through the offering of the Lamb of God. And it reconciled us to our Heavenly Father. With His sacrifice, we are seen as whole and complete, having peace with God. Jesus' sacrifice brought shalom so we can be in his presence, in God's presence. Listen, Listen to how Paul puts this. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. The fullness of God dwells in Jesus. The Father and the Son are one. Reconciliation, peace was only possible through the blood of an offering. That offering Jesus made on our behalf. In Ephesians, Paul says, For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one, and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Jesus broke down all barriers that separate all people from God. Through his sacrifice, all people can be reconciled through the blood of the cross, through the blood of Jesus. This is a message we have been given. This is the message. This is the mission we have been given. And each of us have been given also a new identity. We're ambassadors ambassadors of reconciliation. And what Jesus did for all of us is what we must, it ought to occupy our time with others. We are to be ambassadors of reconciliation to this world and ambassadors of reconciliation to each other. Okay, so after, or maybe when you see somebody that you know and you want to greet them, greet them as an ambassador, like Ambassador James or Ambassador Tom or whoever. But but let me ask you a question. If we are called to be ambassadors of reconciliation, why is there so much strife in our relationships? If we are all ambassadors of peace, why do we put up walls? And if we are all ambassadors of shalom, why do we stir up dissension and strife? Is it because shalom in our lives is difficult to come by? Is it because we are only at peace when we get our way? Have you noticed how many of us are well-trained in putting up walls that divide? Walls that separate, walls that disconnect, walls which create barriers. And how is this working for us? All right, I want to look at two different verses as we get into the practical side of reconciliation, living out shalom in our relationship with others. The first is Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. How often do we live out this verse? I mean, you know, when someone hurts us or wrongs us in some manner, our first response ought to be to go to that individual and speak to them. But is this our usual method of response? I mean, how do we typically respond? I mean, how do we do it? Usually we gossip, we slander, there's anger, there's feelings of hurt, and instead of reconciliation we turn to a heart at war. We seek retribution. We seek revenge. We want justice and walls come up and it's near impossible for reconciliation to happen. <laughs> not because of what's going on in the offender's heart, because they may never even know they hurt you. Our walls continue to grow because we refuse to speak to the one who offended us. Reconciliation is, is often impossible, not because of them. But because of what is going on in our own hearts Be- because we think we think they should know they should know that i am hurt and we wait and we wait for them to make the first move and with every period of waiting our anger and our hurt builds to a fevered pitch and Jesus gives us a command. He gives this command, go and tell, make sure it remains between you and him alone. When we are offended by another, we go to them in private and discuss the issue between us, between each other. We don't gossip about hurts and offenses in the body of Christ. This is how churches are destroyed. And we've seen seen it happen over and over and over. We're to go to each other, have a conversation in love. Listen to the verse again. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. Alright, this brings us to our companion verse in bringing Shalom through reconciliation. It's Matthew 5, 23-24. So if you offer your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. These are powerful verses powerful verses. Now we're discussing the one who recognizes that they have offended another. How often have we thought back on a conversation and thought, you know, I think what I said hurt them. I think what I did hurt them. We recognize we hurt another. We realize we have con- caused them harm. So, so, How do we typically respond? What do we typically do? We do nothing. We hope the other person gets over it. We hope time will heal all wounds. I mean we know we hurt them by our actions, by our words, and we do nothing. Do we really understand what Jesus is saying in these verses? Jesus is saying it's more important to me To get your relationships with others worked out before you come to worship me. We are to leave our gift at the altar and go. We are to leave worship and be reconciled with our brother first. Do you understand the importance of this? This is astounding. Our horizontal relationships, our relationships with others are more important to God than our worship to Him. If our relationships with others are broken, our prayers are not reaching our Heavenly Father. And how many of us actually follow through with these words from Jesus? How many of us make this a regular practice of our worship, making sure our relationships are right? In worship, during our prayers, I'm reminded of the conversations I had with another, and my heart is pricked. Do we think there would be less conflict if we adhered to the words of Jesus? Yeah, absolutely. Relationships with others are important to our Heavenly Father. Isn't that what Jesus is trying to teach us? So, if I have something against a brother... Or I realize a brother has something against me. Who makes the first move? Who makes the first move toward reconciliation? I can give you the answer it's the one who has a heart at peace. They make the first move, it's the one who is more mature. They make the first move. It's the one seeking shalom, wholeness and completeness. They make the first move. As ambassadors of reconciliation, we ought to make the first move. Right? Right? Why? We have a message. We have a ministry. We've been reconciled by the blood of the Lamb. And we have been given a commission, which is a directive an assignment in which we have been entrusted with this message of reconciliation. Okay so just let me give you one caveat. I am NOT talking in this lesson about differences of opinion on matters of faith or politics or whatever. I mean we often make disputable matters dividing walls of hostility that should not be. This is what has, was happening in Romans 14. People were upset with each other over the type of food they were eating. I mean, was it, was it kosher or was it not kosher? Was it sacrificed to an idol or was it not sacrificed to an idol? They, they were actually fighting and placing dividing walls between each other and making food a requirement of fellowship. And I love what Paul says when he says in verse 22 of that chapter. The faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. How often have we made differences of opinion, dividing walls of hostility? And there's another one that has caused division after division in our tribe and has hurt the bride of Christ, his church. On matters of opinion, the faith that we have ought to be kept between us and God. I love what Dan Buchel from Mission... He writes a newsletter from Mission Resource Network and he said this quote I, I think it was just recently Disagre- disagreement is not a failure of love to expect others to agree with us if they care about us is an immature form of control I mean is this not true disagreement does not mean I don't love you it means I, I disagree with you I see things differently than you do but but it is not a failure of love. If we continue to form all of our relationships around those who agree with us, by the end of our life there may only be one individual who agrees with me, the one looking back at me in the mirror each day. And that's a sad way to end one's life because of our immature form of control that we inflict on others believing everyone must look like me. Here's a little exercise as we close today. I want us to make a list of all the unresolved offenses in our life. The people, the people we have hurt and the people who have hurt us. Make a list of all the unresolved offenses with your family, your friends, your coworkers, your classmates, your fellow Christians, either publicly or privately, okay? And I I know this may take some time just to think back on all those unresolved uh, experiences. But while you're thinking about that, if if you could just come up with a number right now, I mean, how long would that list be? I mean, how many names would appear actually on your list of unresolved conflict? Would it be zero? Would it be five? How about 10? How about 20? How about even more than that? See, make a list and see if there are some individuals for which you need to reconcile. I, okay, so I want to bring this all back to the cross of Jesus Christ and remind us that reconciliation is only possible through the work done in and through Jesus on the cross. Ephesians two thirteen through 16 says this, But now in Christ Jesus you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace Brothers and sisters, because of the work completed on our behalf by the unselfish, sacrificial life of Jesus Christ, we we now have access in one spirit to the Father. We have access to our Father's throne to praise Him, to give Him glory, to bow before Him in humble adoration. We come confessing, we come repenting, we come asking for forgiveness. At His throne room we, are, we come seeking peace and shalom and wholeness and completeness. Because we know our lives, and we know our sins are ever before us, and this shalom, this peace is a gift. The gift of shalom is Jesus. Our peace is Jesus. This is a gift we have received, and we ought to cherish this gift. He Himself is our peace. To Him belongs the glory and the honor due His name. Therefore, can, how can we not be people of peace? How can we not break down the dividing walls in our own lives toward all people? All people. As saints, we do not have the luxury of choosing sides. As those redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, We must offer reconciliation to all people, even our enemies. And I know that's difficult. I get it. I know it's hard when others hurt us. This ministry is one of the most difficult works for which God has called us. Yet, I'm called to reconcile. I am called to offer peace to another and to be at peace to those who have wronged me, for which I may never get an apology. And nothing hurts my spiritual being more than a grudge I carry for another. It has the ability to fester. It has the ability to consume my heart. It has the ability to lead me down a path of destruction. I must be willing to forgive because He forgave me. We can't do this. We can do this. You know why? Because Christ lives in us. He lives in us and through us. We are His ambassadors. We have this mis- mission. We have this message of peace, not division. We have a mission and a message of Shalom, not conflict. Yeah, there is something we can do. This is something we must do. As we close today, I'd like for all of us just to say this verse out loud together. And I want us to repeat it. So here we go. Now may the Lord of peace himself give us peace at all times in every way. Now may the Lord of peace himself give us peace at all times in every way. All right, the Lord be with us all. Lord be with you and may he bless you. Thank you for being with us. Bye.